0: Welcome to the Step Change podcast from me, Mike Foster, the Entrepreneur's Mentor. And my podcast is my thoughts to help you with the development of your own business. And this Step Change podcast is entitled Practical Data Protection. And in this podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Kelly Peters and Regina Lully from Data Basics UK. Hi, Regina. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Emily. Thanks for joining me today. I'm going to... Ask you loads of questions, hopefully, in the time that we have available about data protection. Why do you want people to love data? Because I know I I admire your title of Data Rockstar, but why should we all love data?
1: Well, for me, data drives your entire business. It drives your entire life, to be honest, not just your your business. And I think if you understand um, how to use it appropriately, yeah, I think it can really help improve your life so for example you capture information about exercise and food uh, and you know what you what you listen to it helps inform do you need to do more exercise do you need to walk more steps you know do you need to eat less calories? um or it from a business perspective you know do you need to win more leads you know what your customers think about you so you for me everybody really should understand the importance of of data and how you could you should try and protect that which is i think is the other side of what i'm really passionate about is that we give our information out far too freely to people that can then be massively misused uh against us so i i really want people to understand what it is what it means to them and then how they can protect it at a a fundamental level
0: Mm. and i've I've chosen a title today of what do we mean by practical data protection so and I know you guys are practical in your application of the legal jargon, as I re- refer to in data protection. So, so what do you mean by practical data protection?
2: So for us, I think it's really about trying to bust that myth that data protection has to be complicated and it has to take a lot of time and it has to be overly legal. Um, I think it obviously data protection has its foundations in law. Um, there's been a data protection law in this country for 40 years. And people perceive it as something new and overly uh, restrictive to their businesses. But actually, those rights for us as individuals have been there for a very long time. Um, The practical side really comes about how do you make it understandable and relevant for your business? So depending on the nature of the data you're processing, depending on the volume of data, depending on the type of business you are, all of that will impact on... What measures you need to put in place to make sure that data is managed properly, to make sure it's secure, to make sure that your staff understand really how they can use it and how they can't use it for the benefit of your business. Because ultimately, it's the reputation of your business that is at stake. Mm
0: -hmm. Fantastic. Very, uh, very well put. I think... um, I wouldn't wouldn't have been able to describe that myself, but I do know from experience, (laughs) um, I do know from experience as a user of your service about how practical it is. You know, I can remember in a role that I had is I was reading all the data protection regulations going, what does that mean? What does that mean in reality? How do I really pull that into place? And I just had a conversation um, with yourself, Kelly, and it was about, you know, just do this, just do that. This is what that needs to be, and you'll map out your data and uh, and just all the practical steps that made it really easy for implementation. Now, I know one of the things that you guys are really big on, um, and you deliver your training in so many different ways in terms of whether that's online, face to face. Tell us a little bit more about the training and how you come up with the the, the sort of the subjects that you do your training with.
1: I think this is born from before we set up the business. One of the challenges we always had was how do we convey complex subjects in a very easy way that people can take away and, and uh, put into place in their business as soon as they finish the training? So that's really the driver uh, for us is that I want people to be able to not just nod their head, tick the box and say, oh, I've done data protection training. I want them to think, oh, I shouldn't have password one, two, three, four, five, six as my password. I need like something a little bit more complex. Um, and that's what drives a lot of the, the content is how do we break it down to make sense to an individual who's going to be listening to it? How do you make it relevant to them, uh, not too boring? So we always uh, introduce some kind of fun stories that we found in the press. Um, but it is born on, I really want people to, understand how it applies to them in a a day-to-day setting. And I think that's what Regina and I have have done for years prior to um, the business. And if the feedback typically is, that was much more fun than I was expecting it to be. So for me, if we, if that's the feedback we get every time we've done our job and they're saying, Oh, I didn't know that Kelly. Thank you. I can, I'm now going to go back to the office and make that change. That's, that's a good result for us. Mm -hmm. I think it's about maybe
2: making people stop and think as well. I think, you can see when something struck a chord and it can be something as simple as why passwords shouldn't be the same across all the different systems and I think just sometimes people will trade convenience sorry they'll trade security for convenience and we'll try and flag why convenience can be dangerous and what the impact of that trade will be on them and seeing those pennies drop is Mm. is really interesting because it will always be different things that kind of pique people's interest but it is always that relevant um to both business and personal and i think that makes people understand more clearly where the threat is where the risk is and why they need to take it seriously
0: Yeah, and I, and I love the work you've done of, of creating so many different opportunities and channels for people to access your training, which is fantastic. Another, another area I wanted to explore with you today is your audits, because you offer an audit to customers to look at their data protection. And, and, I, and I guess sometimes people don't want to put their hand up and say, oh, my data protection um, regulation is not perfect. But uh, it's, it's a great service you offer, isn't it? Tell, tell us a little bit more about that, those audits.
2: So I think for for us it was um, a little bit about helping people really understand where their areas of risk were um, and we started working with people on their audits sort of before GDPR came in and it's something that we're seeing a resurgence in interest and I think what we're seeing at the moment is people are reflecting and thinking actually in the last year we've shifted to A much more disparate workforce because people aren't now all coming into the office they're working from home or there's a bit of a mix that's potentially going to start happening IT have potentially got much less control over that Um, things might have changed in terms of data collection as well and suddenly people realize I think more now than ever that actually it's not a static piece you can't look at it on one day and say I've ticked the box I'm now compliant and I'll always be compliant things change, systems change, people change, the way that you use that data changes. And that's where that practical approach comes in, that you have to have a plan to monitor that, you have to be able to respond to it. And so having a plan of a, an annual audit, we'd recommend, but if things are a bit more static in your business, then potentially a minimum every two years, um, to actually really go through and, and understand what's still good, and it is about saying this is where you're, you're, you're good, Um where there's an area of risk creeping in, mm. and where where maybe something is is way more at risk, and you know is potentially putting uh, the business or the data at, at risk. And I think you can't deal with those things unless you've got visibility of it. And I think it takes a a good brave organisation to look and say we need to understand where our risk is and deal with it, rather than stick our head in the sand and pretend it isn't there. And and change will always bring about risk. Mm.
0: And one of, the, one of the points you mentioned there when you were talking was about the working from home. And obviously, with the pandemic, that's been a, a massive factor for many of us. And I think going forward for many businesses, there may be a hybrid model. So what have you seen in terms of some of the challenges for organisations with the work from home model in terms of their data protection?
1: I think one of the challenges is for the person that's responsible for data protection. Because people are so dispersed, they've got no real uh, idea if their if their staff are struggling or the people they're supporting are struggling with data protection so you know are they using personal computers rather than a work computer you know do they have a safe and secure wi-fi connection are they have they accidentally sent client information to the wrong person and if you're in an office environment it's easy to be like oh oh my god I did that and someone's like well what did you do how can I help you when you're at home there's no one around really for you to one bounce ideas off so I think that whoever's responsible for compliance is probably a little bit more a higher level of stress because they're not, their risk has become further removed from them and that managing that risk becomes that bigger amount of a challenge. And then I think the bigger risk now is that managing the transition between moving from home to the office and office to home, and I think that's where you could genuinely lose um, data that's on the move. So um, from a compliance perspective, I think that's a little bit worrying at the moment. I think that's what was probably keeping some people uh, awake at night. Mm.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I won't steal this, the stories from your own podcast. I'll let people tune into to your own podcast to hear some of the stories and the news articles that that you share. Um, one of the things I did want to touch upon, and this this resonates with me hugely, is a, is a post actually that you shared on your um, social media, which is about privacy policies and templates. And I know you guys aren't big fans of templates because they're not fit for purpose Um, and I certainly had that experience when myself and Kelly sat down with my old organisation and I showed a template that we'd used I got challenged on it in saying you know it doesn't cover this it doesn't cover that so so tell us a bit more about the work you're doing with organisations around privacy policies.
2: Yeah so I think it will often be one of the things that people will sort of come to us for initially as I think it's something that's pretty widely recognised that they need to have a privacy policy on their website or available to, to their clients to so they can explain how data is being used. And I, I understand the temptation to use a template because it feels easy. You pop your company name in and everything else has been thought about and then it's fine and you pop it up and it ticks the box. And I think for us, we really try and avoid that sort of tick the box mentality. And a privacy policy should be about explaining really clearly in plain English to a reader what you're going to do with their data and you have that overarching privacy policy that can explain everything your organization does from the simple fact of who you are why you're collecting their data you can group it by the different sets of clients you obviously have to explain some of the things that are maybe a little bit more technical like legal basis where it's stored why it's transferred outside of the country if it is and there's certain requirements about it reminding people of their rights but you can put that in a way that's really easy for people to read and understand. It doesn't, and it shouldn't be overly legal. And there's been some really interesting kind of comparisons done about different websites, privacy policies. And I think there was a study done by, I, think it, I believe it was the New York Times and they, they indicated the average reading age, you needed to be, I think in a sort of college level, um, sort of university level here. To understand the privacy policies that were on, on some significant websites. Um, and places like BBC, for example, had a really good level because it was more sort of middle school, age 11, 12, that they were aiming at. And it, it should be that easy to understand and explain to people what you're doing with their data. Um, and often templates don't go down that route. And you haven't got enough knowledge yourself necessary to review it and say, well, this is where I can change it and tweak it to make it relevant to my business. And if you put up a template, in all likelihood, it's not going to be relevant to what you're doing with data. And so that's where it needs to be looked at by somebody who's got knowledge and saying, how can we write this in a way that's meaningful, that's clear, and that actually reflects what we do as a business? Because otherwise you may as well not have anything
0: yeah i guess it's you know not one template fits all because we use data in all our all different ways and different aspects
1: exactly. I, the only thing i'd add to that i think if you are offering services to children you absolutely need to be mindful that they have the right to be informed as well so you have to have a policy that a child can read mm-hmm. and and we've done that we've had to write policies both for An adult readership and the children, and what's been really interesting is the feedback is, can we not just use the one for the children for everything? Because like, what you can do, because it's easier to read, but just just be mindful if you do work with children, that your policy has to be readable by that child.
2: I think the other thing that people don't always think about is that it doesn't all it should all be in one place, but you can also sprinkle bits of privacy information at the point that you're collecting data. So if you're asking for a particular piece of information, say somebody's putting an inquiry into to speak with you, Mike, and at that point you want to, you know you're collecting their email address and telephone number and name and so that you can respond to their inquiry. If you wanted to offer them the opportunity at that point to sign up to your newsletter, you could do, but you can also reassure them to say, by making this inquiry i'll respond to it if you'd like to be added to the newsletter please tick this box and it's so clear and simple that what will happen by that action and that's really simple privacy information that often people don't really even realize is privacy information but it's a really good approach to to making it transparent and easy for people to understand why you're asking for their data and what you're going to do with it
0: Mm, it's a really interesting tip actually because I've been having a number of conversations with people, you know, when they're trying to collect information off lead forms off of their website mm-hmm. and uh, people are, you know, they still want the document, but they're pro- perhaps not signing up because they're concerned about what's going to happen with their data not mm-hmm. because they're not interested in the form anymore. You know, it's just a re- really interesting, really, and as we say, a practical tip as well. So thanks for <laughs> sharing that. Well, one of the things I really admire about what you guys have done is that you've productized your business to supplement the services that you offer. And one of your new products is the Toolbox. Um, so tell us a little bit more about the Toolbox.
2: So that was born out of an idea and worries that we were hearing from data protection leads probably about 18 months ago now, that that was around a year and a bit after GDPR had been introduced and people kind of come out of the, we met the deadline, great, um, And we're then starting to think, hang on a second, you know, I've got this other role because typically data protection leads will be operations directors, HR directors, finance directors. So they've got a lot going on that they're focused on. And they would be sort of worrying about the fact that actually, what should I be doing on a day-to-day basis? What does a data protection program look like? Um, I'm feeling a little bit lost. And so it would obviously naturally slip down to the bottom of their list and then, but they're still worried about it. And, And we really looked to say, well, these are people who, need some level of um, support, but not necessarily a full on project support or the services that we would typically offer. So it was more around trying to condense our knowledge into, I think we've got 15 handy tools that help with the accountability piece of GDPR. So it's looking at being able to demonstrate um, what you're doing, the fact that you are complying, the process of thinking through who should be involved in the organization, monitoring breaches, monitoring individual rights, Um, the day-to-day things like looking at conducting data protection impact assessments at the point that you're taking on new software or thinking about using data in a new way, relying on legitimate interest, that assessment, but not just giving them the tools to do it and complete, but actually then little videos that help guide them through the context of why it's important. And one of my my favorite tools is the ways of working. Mm. And what we've looked to do there is to find you know we've all been through mandatory training you know organized most organizations will have some level of induction you know if you've been part of the public sector you have to do annual mandatory training that will vary in its you know relevance and levels of interest you know? <laughs> so and data protection will typically fall under that um that remit and, and what we wanted to do was to really try and make it part of a more frequent conversation, and that's what the ways of working do. So it's it's best practice data protection tips that most businesses would be able to apply um, and share with their staff, either in video format or little postcard formats that are reminders of the best practice ways of storing data, using data, deleting data, so that then they can be put up, routinely shared with staff um, on a more ongoing basis than just an annual data protection training program, which is important, but often people feel it's tick box it's done as opposed to being part of the way the organization works. Mm -hmm. And um, that's been really popular in, in in people who've taken up the toolbox.
0: Mm, And again, there's a a nice little video on your website that gives a bit of an overview and uh, and, a dive, a deep dive into, into the, into the toolbox. Um, Kelly, I want to sort of take you back to actually, when you came to work with me, when I was working for a firm and, you know, how did we make it practical? Because that's the theme of today's uh-huh. um, podcast. Um, and one of the things, sort of like the aha moments for me was when you took me through a data mapping exercise to truly understand the data that we had in the business. Because actually when we went through, I went, oh yeah, I hadn't thought about that. And yeah, I guess we got that as data. We did not mm. realise that's data. So, so tell us a little bit more about data mapping and why it's so important.
1: I think if you want to be able to genuinely write a a good privacy policy for your your website, you, you need to know what data you actually have in a business. And if you want to be able to then provide a good data protection policy, you need to be able to advise your staff about the different types of data that's being used, where it's being stored, how it's being stored. So to me... Mapping your data is the most fundamental task that you have to do as a business because most businesses think that they have just email addresses or it's just a marketing list. And yet when you prompt them for, well, what about your supplier details? What about any kind of associates that you have? What about your client information and staff? People then have that, oh, and then you dig a little bit deeper and say, well, where is that? And they're like, oh, well, it's just in a filing cabinet or it's in the cloud, which is a favorite expression. And I'm like, where is that cloud? (laughs) You know, what's that system? Where's that database? Where in the world is it? People then start to think, oh, okay, so I've got data all over the world. And when you then compare that map to what's on your privacy policy, that's when you really realize that things are out of alignment. So to me, mapping your data is the most fundamental thing it'll allow you to highlight any risks that you have in terms of the data you're collecting and allow you to consider should you still be holding that information and then it really drives your conversation about retention how long should I be keeping this information and then what would I do when I get rid of it so if you do nothing else in your business do that and we've just come up with a really nice funky infographic that talks people through why we think it's so um important to you because otherwise you might as well just buy a template uh, policy because you you don't really know what you're processing and why you're processing it so map your data and then up everything else falls out from that which I think is what I said uh to you
0: (laughs) you you certainly did and you certainly said it and it certainly did because you know once I had clarity with that you know I certainly had that oh moment when you when you went through it with us that you explained but I, th- I found it really fascinating actually to look at the location of where data was being held particularly like from um, some of the, bi- the big name accounting providers yeah. software providers for example and then reading their data protection policy and making sure that it, it aligned with what we were, were trusted about so re- really useful and practical so um to to finish this podcast today, do you have a a burning tip that you'd like to share with the listeners about data protection and how to keep it practical
1: I think for me, if it's if it's just yourself in, in, in the business, it's what reasonable steps are you taking to protect your data? At minimum, have some antivirus software on your computer, you know, um, back up your data. If you have staff, inform your staff. You may have the best IT solution in the world, but your staff are the, the first line of defense. So make sure they understand what data protection means to you and the impact of if it goes wrong. So train them and, and that ongoing, build a culture of good privacy by design, data protection. Um, because if you do, you're never going to be 100% compliant, but I think that you will be in a much stronger place. So awareness for me is keep aware
2: For me, I'd say it's the accountability piece. So it's not enough to say that you are going to comply. You have to show how you're complying or the best efforts that you're making to comply. Um, And currently, there's a much bigger and wider awareness in the general public Mm -hmm. of the fact that there's this thing called data protection that gives them rights. And you need to be in a position that you understand what you're processing, why you're processing it, and how long to keep it for. So that if you're challenged by individuals, whether that's customer, staff, or a stakeho- another stakeholder, that you can confidently look and respond to their request and be confident that you're holding data that you need for the right purposes. And that if they ask you to delete it, you can either refuse or say that you will do because you know what it is you're doing, and why you're doing it. And I think without that clear picture, you could
0: end up in hot water. Nice, lovely. Thank you for those those couple of tips. I'll share a couple. Um, one would be that location of data because now we've gone through Brexit, that may make a bit of a, a difference and uh, that could be a whole new, whole new podcast, I'm sure. We may get onto that another time, but I recommend you talk to the, the team at Data Basics if uh, you're concerned about your data post-Brexit. Um, and the second one is just something you shared with me on the training, that if I find a USB stick in my car park which is a branded USB stick don't just pick it up and put it in my computer just to find out whose USB stick it is big trick of the, the fraudsters fantastic can I add
2: one little more Please do. one little more tip <laughs> please do um, opinions about individuals class as personal data so if you're using Teams chat slack anything like that to have WhatsApp. informal or WhatsApp to have informal conversations about others whether that's client or staff they could be disclosable in, in a subject access request. So keep it professional.
0: Great tip to finish. I better come off WhatsApp then. <laughs> sure. Thank you. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you for sharing um, some thoughts and tips around the practical application of data protection. I know that you're the go-to experts, in my opinion, for that. So uh, thanks again for sharing uh, me. So today we had uh, with me today Kelly Peters, Data Rockstar, and regina lally from data basics thank you ladies thank you for listening to my latest step change podcast and a reminder today we were talking about what do we mean by practical data protection and it was fantastic to be joined by regina lally and kelly peters from data basics uk who i advocate and support that if you have questions and need support with your data protection that i encourage you to look them up on their website or on LinkedIn, follow their podcast, engage with them on social media. Like a, like we've covered today, they share very actionable, practical steps. Please do subscribe to my latest podcast. And next time that I launch my next episode, you'll be one of the first to know.